Welcome everyone to the African Australian Story Podcast. I'm a queer free. I'm the person who tries to bring together the conversations. And today I've got with me two lovely ladies as we talk about what it's like to be an African Australian model or an African model, sometimes in China, sometimes in Australia, sometimes both. <laughs> I really want to delve into that aspect of how our image is represented to the public from that specific perspective of modeling and advertising. So I can't wait for the conversation. For a very long story, <laughs> we are at Moose Restaurant. It's a Saturday night. What's the time? Maybe 9.40? No, it's 10.16. And instead of being out having a fabulous time, at least the two of you, we're here recording a podcast. Now, do any of you want to say why we're here recording a podcast? At this time? Yes. Daisy? <laughs> you have the floor? Oh, Why? There's a whole other episode in here around African time. <laughs> yes. But we'll probably talk about that later. Welcome to African Australian Story. Thank you. I've got here with me. Do you want to introduce yourself? My name is Raisa Ochola. Uh, my friends call me Dexter, as you'll find me on uh, my social media platforms. Okay. <laughs> and our other guest is? I'm Daisy Nawika. I'm from Kenya. And yes, I'm happy to be here to talk about my African Australian experience. So you're Kenyan too, aren't you, um, Reza? Yes, I am. Now, why do people call you Dex? Hey, that story is lengthy. <laughs> well, give me the short two-minute version. Okay. Actually, the short 30-second version. 30-second version is basically I'm a nerd. And you guys know the cartoon Dexter's Laboratory. And there's also a series called Dexter of this psychopath. So apparently, my personality is a merge of the two. <laughs> Don't be scared. <laughs> Yeah, that, mm, okay, maybe we should be a little bit scared. Mm -hmm. Now, you two live together. Yes. How long have you known and lived together for? Well, we've known each other since high school. We went to high school together in Nairobi, Kenya. That was in 2007. Yeah, so she was a year ahead of me in high school, and we've been friends ever since. And then, Daisy, you want to continue? Oh, yeah. So, actually, I think I'm in Australia because of Raisa, because she was like, I told her I wanted to do a master's, and I was initially going to go to the UK to do my master's there. And she was like, no, why going to the UK? Why don't you just come down over and come to Australia? And it's fun, and I live in Brisbane. It's always sunny. There's the beaches. So I thought about it for some time, and here we are today. She no. convinced me. <laughs> Obviously, you kept in touch you in high school or after high school, but you said that you lived in China for a little bit, and did you come directly from Kenya to Australia? No, actually, both our stories are so different. <laughs> we finished high school. She finished a year before me, and then she went to China. Okay, I'll tell you mine, and then she'll tell you hers. <laughs> I went, so when I finished high school, I started my university in Kenya. I did one year, and then I was lucky to get a scholarship to America. So I transferred to a university in Philadelphia to continue my bachelor's degree. And then I did a few years there in Drexel University, and I had a family emergency that made me move to Australia because my sister and brother had actually moved, come to Australia for their university. And because I'm the baby of the family, I didn't want to be smothered. I needed to breathe. So I'm like, Mom, I want to go to America. So, yeah, but then, you know, at the end of the day, I ended up being here, which was which was good. I love it here, so, yeah. And then you convinced Daisy to come across from yeah. China. Now, how did you end up in China? Well, 
I actually don't know how I ended up in China. Like I just <laughs> like life is so funny, you know. Sometimes things just happen. Like I didn't sit down and say that after my high school I want to go to China. No, it just happened. I just found myself in China. And I went there to do my undergrad, so I did a bachelor in medicine and surgery. And I finished that after five years. And then after that is when I went back to Kenya and I practiced for one year. And then after that is when I came here to do my master's. What kind of medicine do you practice? General medicine. Okay. Yeah. So in case I want to specialize, then I can either do pediatrics or gynecology, whatever. Mm-hmm. But um, right now I'm just working on getting my license to practice in Australia. Okay. Yeah. And so at the moment you study? Actually, I'm graduating in one month's time, but I've finished my master's. I finished my placement just the other day. Mm-hmm. Yes. So after that, we'll see what's in store. <laughs> and what was your degree in? My degree was in IT and business. So I specialized in corporate systems management. I graduated last year in July. Mm-hmm. And what do you do now? So right now I'm working as an enrollment advisor. I enroll potential students of all ages into diploma courses in college so you know they can be qualified to get their dream careers get into the careers that they love but um actually i got a job with emirates so unfortunately i'll be leaving australia in a few months um, so yeah I'll, i'm going to be working in a cabin crew position for emirates come august ah, traveling the world eh? yes. representing <laughs> africa and australia mm-hmm. that'd be fantastic okay so i brought you guys here today because our topic of the podcast is around modeling and African-Australian models. You guys have a medical and IT background, but while you were studying, you worked as models. But do you want to tell me what that experience was like? Well, for my own experience, I worked as a model when I was in China. And definitely right now, I don't even look like one because I put on a lot of weight. But back then, it was a lot of fun for me. And especially because the state where I was living in, I was living in Chongqing, they didn't have so many black people. So anywhere I was, I'd get, I'd pull all the crowds. A lot of people used to hire me as you know, in different commercials so that they can pull crowds and so that people can notice them. And especially I used to be the brand ambassador for a photography company called Hey. And Heima in Chinese means black horse. So for all the events, I used to showcase for them. And I used to, sometimes I'd be the bride. Sometimes it would just be in the studios and everything. But it was a good experience. So because you obviously stood out as a, a person with dark skin yes. in China. Yes. That was almost like the advertising strategy. Exactly. Is something unusual, something yes. different. Yes. How did you first get approached to become a model? Well, actually I had gone for a photo shoot. And then the boss came and talked to me and was like, oh, so you came for a photo shoot here. I want to give you a job and you can be, you can be modeling for me. And, um, and then we just came up with something. We wrote, a, we wrote down a contract and I started working for the person. Okay. Yes. Mm-hmm. It was a lot of fun. When I graduated, I actually felt bad because now I don't have that opportunity anymore. And what about you, Reza? My mom's best friend, and you know how in Africa that's your auntie. So my auntie Mildred, <laughs> she always used to call me long-legged Italy, and she was actually a supermodel back in the 80s. So, you know, it was not a typical career for an African woman back in the 80s, and she didn't get a degree, but so she's the one who actually opened my mind to that being possible. But then, because of my family and, like, their academical background, you know, both my parents were just like, school, 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 that's the path of life you know what I mean that's Mm. the only way you can make it so I didn't even I didn't really really consider it until actually I went to America and then 
I saw other girls making it in this industry and I'm like, why shouldn't I give it a try? So I went for my first audition when I was 21, which is a bit old for the modeling, you know, career and for casting. And they signed me up on the spot. So I was like, okay, like this is, you know, I, like, I didn't even know I really had it in me. And then I had to move from America a month later. So when I came to Australia, I decided to use, to use it as a side hustle. And so I had a few pictures and I put them up and yeah, that's, I just had, started getting random jobs you know for the first maybe year actually last year I got into a competition Australian Supermodel of the Year in Queensland there were 15 finalists I won and I represented Queensland in the finals this year and I came second so I was like wow this could actually be a potential full-time career yeah and um, I also went for international modeling competition in February it's called World Supermodel Pageant and I was representing Kenya it felt so amazing to actually represent your country you know I love Australia, but it, it's this whole other feeling when you're representing Kenya, you know, in an international competition that it was, yeah, it was amazing. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> clearly the person is there. Yeah. <laughs> if you love modeling, why are you moving into the airline industry? I love traveling, and this is just the perfect career to expose me to all the cultures. Who knows who I'll meet when I'm in my travels? I'm really keen to delve into your experiences as Africans in the modeling industry. So I know you haven't modeled in Australia. No. So we'll probably go back to your Chinese experience as an African or you a person. You have though. When? You did that photo shoot for, you are oh, representing yes, that I brand. Yeah. Oh, I forget. <laughs> <laughs> oh yes, yes. I did a photo shoot once for a lady. She's actually a designer. She's called Haitham and um, I modeled for her new collection. Yes, I think that's the only experience I've had with modeling here. In China, as an African and as a person with dark skin, what was that experience like for you? Did you find it to be a good thing, a bad thing, a positive, a negative? Well, I'd say bittersweet because sometimes you'd find some people and they really genuinely love your skin. They'd be like, wow, your skin is so smooth. You don't have to apply anything and it's so radiant and everything. And then you'd meet other people and they'd be like, oh, your skin is so disgusting. Why does it look like this? <laughs> what? Yeah. Yeah, you actually have people tell you that? Yeah. And the thing is, when somebody looks at you, they think you, know, you definitely you don't speak Chinese. You know, they'd be like, oh, she probably speaks English and that's it. So we used to have Chinese lessons, and so sometimes working in the street, people will talk about you, talk behind your back, and they think you don't understand, but you understand what they're saying. So they'd be like, oh, her skin, I don't like how it looks, it looks murky, and sometimes they'd come and they'd, they'd rub you, rub your hands, and they're like, oh, do you think this can what? come out? Are you, are you like a clown? Are you going somewhere to like... Are you, you know? serious? Yeah, wow. like I'm serious. That's what they used to do. And it's, I think it made me stronger because I think right now I love my skin more than anybody. Like I'm so comfortable in my skin. It's not even funny. Mm. Yeah. And so. did you ever get an opportunity to understand how you're, because you're an African in the Chinese advert, whether it then did better or worse because you were in it? What I was wanting to allude to was around the fact that it's almost like because you were in some respects, a novelty in mm -hmm. an advert, mm -hmm. did people then go, ooh, that is new and different and maybe even cool, so therefore we're definitely going to buy that product? Or they went, oh, it's an African person, we're not interested in that product. No. Do you know how that worked out? Actually, 
For the company that I was actually working for was a photography company. So definitely when they were having like exhibitions, they wanted a lot of people to come to the stalls. And the thing is, they used to have like so many people, journalists and photo photographers, and we were definitely, it was myself, and also we had another black model as well, and we were always the center of attention. So all the journalists would just come around us and take pictures, and the next day, I'd be on newspapers everywhere. Like people were just like, Daisy, so you're this, this, this newspaper, this newspaper. So, I mean, it was good for the company because at the end of the day, they might have loved me for my skin or whatever, but I mean, business is business. You do what works. Did you yeah. feel like, and I'm just asking this question just because I'm thinking it, but did you feel almost like, I know being a model is a bit of a being a show pony, but did you actually feel like you were almost like a, on display? Yes, because literally I was on display because sometimes we'd actually just be on top of a podium and um, I'd be in bridal wear and just like walk around and everybody's looking at me definitely because I'm the person who's black and the other models are like Chinese or they're white, so they're blending in. But for me... Yes, I did feel like that, but I think it was positive at that time. And it added to the value of your experience? Yes, it did. Okay. It did. It was very, very interesting, actually. Very interesting. I don't know how to look at it, because sometimes I feel like it's somewhat objectifying. Like, I mean... I guess that's what I was getting to. Did you feel yeah. objectified? Yes, a little bit. Not too much, because, well... I was a student, I needed extra money, and I'm getting extra money, so why not? So as much as I was feeling objectified, I still felt like, I mean, why not? And that's the only way some people also will see something positive about a black person. They can see that a black person can actually be a model. A black person can actually be related to with beauty, you know, because they put all this makeup on us and we look so fabulous as, as um, brides and everything. So it's not always just the negative aspect of black people because a lot of them would come to us and say oh the only black people we see are those people who are in the slums in Africa or dying of, of hunger so what are you when they'd come and we'd have, we'd have conversations with them and ask you what are you doing and you'd tell them and they'd be very wowed by that so it still put Africa in a better picture per se. Reza what are some of the brands you've worked for in Brisbane or Australia? I was part of an agency called Boss Models for the past year, and I did quite a few fashion shows. My most recent ones is I did the Byron Bay International Fashion Festival, and I've done all the African shows. Any African show I hear, <laughs> <laughs> I'm in there, you know. Um, I've done a fashion show with DNM. There are some designers who are based in Brisbane, but they actually do shows all over Australia. So they go to Perth, you know, they do tours. Their designs are amazing. There's these sisters called Manessa Sisters. They're actually based in Brisbane as well. Amina. Amina is my favorite designer. You just be like a total African woman. <laughs> Yeah, so yeah, those are a few Is she paying you to say these things? No. <laughs> no, and the best part of working with Africans, I feel, it's like you feel a sense of belonging. It's like you're part of a family, even when we're collaborating as we're practicing. You really know what you're trying to represent and what you're trying to get out there because a lot of the audience have never seen all these beautiful African designs. They don't even know what Africans can be made of. So, you know, for one, you I enjoyed the whole process from getting in there, getting your makeup done, getting all glammed up. But the most valuable thing I feel is when you're actually out there showcasing whatever you're wearing and you're sort of giving them knowledge and showing them that 
there's so much more than what you see on CNN and BBC. Like this is what you know. We have so much potential in you know in Africa, even from the creative side of things, what we can come up with. And yeah, I just I just love being the one to you know, show them that yeah, this is this is us. <laughs> so I know, for example, I saw you in a Wet and Wild advert. Have you done any more mainstream advertising or modeling with more mainstream brands? Mm, let me think. Actually, Wet n Wild must be the biggest I've done so far because it's comprised of Dream World, Movie World, all the theme parks. And I was in billboards in Brisbane, in, I mean in Gold Coast and even in Brisbane and in Sydney. That was my biggest campaign that I've done so far. So with a Wet n Wild campaign, what was the process you went through to be chosen? And did they tell you why they picked you for that campaign? Yes, they were looking for a diverse crowd. I'll tell you, on the shoot day, we were about, I think, eight models. And I was the only black African in, you know, among us. And we're like five girls, three boys. There was a Middle Eastern. There was um, 80% of Australians, though, as usually is, because they think about the audience they're trying to attract. And, and you know, it's, it's both a pro and a con when it comes to the picking of the model, because... A lot of times, I'll tell you, they don't pick me because when they look at the demographics of the customers that would buy the product, maybe it's 4% that would be African or you know, whatever percentage, but it, it's not comparable to the number of Australians. So it's a huge tourist attraction. So they want to show diversity in their ads. Yeah, I just gave it my best. Like I went there, I was positive all day. We had to be there at 4 a.m. for the shooting. So how it worked is we all had takes. The shoot was recorded live during a ride. So it was the tornado. If any of you has been to Wet n Wild, the tornado is a crazy ride. <laughs> so you're there, the, the photographer is sitting opposite you, you're trying to balance, you're trying to look, you know, excited and your face is, you know, there's water splashing all over your face. So they, we had two takes and then they went through all of them and they, they picked me out of the eight of us. So I guess I just, I don't know. I, I, it's also luck, you know, because, you know, we everyone there was talented and everyone was experienced but... Okay, so they didn't run a campaign with eight different models. They shot with eight different models, and then you were the only person who was in the, that round of campaign. Yes. Is that correct? Yes. Now, did you ask why you won out? I didn't ask why. Mm. I just felt like when you give something your best, I deserved it, I feel. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> I just, you know, I, I gave it my best. You know, when during the takes, they would, you know, you did the first one, and they would look at it mm. and give you feedback and tell you try and do this differently so I really really took that seriously whatever they told me and each time I improved so it, he was just like you killed it and none of us knew he even said you know I'm not probably not gonna know in two weeks who's gonna be picked but as soon as we do you're just gonna see yourself in the billboards <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit of a silly thing I have but one of the things I get excited about when it is whenever I see an African in the media especially in advertising it actually gives me a little warm and fuzzy feeling, right? <laughs> and so and I true. like it when it's not in the context of, of course, you would pick an African or a black person for that ad because you are trying to sell something about multiculturalism or Africans or something like that. Mm-hmm. But you pick them because it's a general ad. So the last one probably is when you're driving through the Gaba, there's a huge photo of that uh, the Australian model. Her name escapes me. She's from South Sudanese background. You see Yaya? I think so. And yeah, she's in yeah. the Westfield 
yes campaign. Now, mm-hmm. now for me that is a campaign that is a general campaign it's not saying hey we are multicultural come every black person to Westfield <laughs> it could easily be a white person it could be an Asian woman it could be a Middle Eastern person or it could be an African mm-hmm. and they picked an African so for me when I see a campaign that is saying that we're not the other. We will have an African in a campaign because an African is beautiful and will sell to everyone in Australia. It's almost like the color is irrelevant. This is a beautiful yeah. person who will, other women especially, will see that campaign or go, yes, I want to go into Westfield and shop, whatever their background is. Yeah. So I guess I'm really interested to know how has that experience been for you where you've gone for general campaigns that have nothing to do with the fact that they're looking for a black person, but they're looking for maybe a beautiful young model who may be a certain height, who may be a certain look, and you've turned up. Have you found that you've then been picked or not picked, and has it been because of your background or not? Well, it's 50-50. Sometimes it's obvious that the reason, especially when it's um, hair shows, the reason they pick you is because... <laughs> I think we have to give them because that one. We have to give them that one. Like, it's like it's not even a question. As soon as I go for the audition, I can just see the, them staring at me like, yes, yes. We, we can't wait to play with that afro. <laughs> like, I have one tomorrow. Oh, so you're saying that because of your afro hair, that actually is a positive? Yes. Yeah. Oh, I thought you meant the other one. No. <laughs> for hair shoes. Yeah. Really? Yeah. For mainstream hair shows? Yeah, Because they like the craziness shows. of our beautiful hair? Yes, and they make you either open or close the show because the audience is wowed, you know, and they put all these crazy colors and things, you know, to make you stand out. But I love it. Like, it's it's a plus for us. Um, but sometimes as well, for example, when I went to audition for The Face Australia, you know how Tara Banks has America's Next Top Model? Naomi Campbell has the show called The Face. And I went to audition when I first moved to Australia. And I got till top seven in Queensland. And then they ask for, you know, your documents, like your passports or your birth certificates. And I gave, you know, I just put my Kenyan passport. <laughs> and they're looking at me like, what is this? <laughs> I just had a bad feeling, you know. And they were like, and that same year, I remember Miss America was... Um, of Indian descent and it was a whole issue you know are you guys trying to say there are no Americans who can be Miss America so they were to that same week actually so they just actually told me you know we we can't have a Kenyan being on the face Australia. And I was so sad, you know, because I thought this was my time. <laughs> my breakthrough. You know? I love Romy Campbell, but hey, I was like, those things, they come and you just take it as, you know how all these quotes about failure, stepping stone to greatness? Mm-hmm. They're true. That day I could easily have said, ah, I'm done with this. I'm done with trying to pursue this. But I took it like, you. at least I got to top seven. That shows me that I have what it takes. But sometimes they'll take you, sometimes they won't. And when they do, it's, I also really believe on, in um, what's meant to happen will happen. So when they do pick you, you, it was meant to be. And sometimes it's unfair because you're like, oh, I could really do this. But because you're African or because, you know, you're too different, it won't work for you. Okay. What, what do you think? Well, I think that is a problem everywhere. I think it's just not Australia. Because even if you look at the Americans as well, that is something they're trying to... A lot of black models complain about the same thing. Like, they're not being treated like the white models are being treated. Do you think that we still have a society that, not to get too deep and meaningful, 
it is a Saturday night. <laughs> <laughs> but do you think we still have a society where the idea of beauty is not a black woman, no matter how beautiful definitely, she is? Definitely, definitely. And sometimes I tend to think that us as black people are part of the reason because we are trying to look like another race like you have a lot I see especially in Australia there's a bleaching problem I see oh a lot of women yeah. bleaching their skin you wonder why because I look at them and I see really beautiful features and I'm just like there wouldn't have been any difference if you were any darker if you're beautiful you're beautiful I mean regardless it doesn't mean that if you're black you need to change your skin tone so that you can look beautiful but that is what society has tried and put in our heads that if you're a black person then you're not a beautiful person you have to look more like a white person too. All the weaves. Exactly. <laughs> all the weaves to be considered that you're beautiful. So the thing is, you can see even like in America, all these um, black artists and they're all trying to be so white. Somebody like I don't even allowed to say this. <laughs> say it, you know what you're thinking. Beyonce. Express yeah, yourself. all these mainstream people that we know. We have Beyonce, you have Rihanna, you have Nicki Minaj, for example. You cannot identify as a black person anymore. She's changed herself so much that her nose is so straight, her hair is so straight, Everything is but just the so funny white. thing, her body is so black. Yes, and her body is so black. <laughs> but then again, we're living in a time where black features are being celebrated. And the thing is, you find white people trying to get black features. And hey, Kim Kardashian. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And because somebody see, oh, Nicki Minaj has made her body to look this way. Kim Kardashian has done this. Then all these young people growing up in this generation think that it's okay to have these black features. And that's what they mm. want. But they don't want your skin tone. But they want your features. Mm. Yes. I'm really curious to explore this. And this probably is a whole other podcast episode topic. But, <laughs> you know, the whole black is beautiful movement. Mm -hmm. Do you think the fact that we have to pronounce that we're black and we're beautiful, it's almost like by the need to say that we're saying that we're not seen as black and therefore beautiful. So a good example is that I was having a conversation today around rich people. And one of the ladies said... People who are actually properly rich never actually feel the need to tell you they're rich mm -hmm. because they are and there are mm -hmm. other things about them that would define that. True. Yeah. But it's more those people who are not so rich or just a little bit richer mm -hmm. who actually wants you, everyone else to know how rich they are. <laughs> exactly. So it's almost like by feeling this need to say we're black and beautiful, is this our way of saying because we know that everyone doesn't see us as black and beautiful? Mm -hmm. Or we're trying too hard to say something I think to some extent it's also like a frustration in us. You know what I mean? Like, can't you see exactly. it? We are black and beautiful, mm -hmm. you know? In history, it's only from recently that we people started accepting that black can be beautiful, you know? So it's just been a thing. We always activists, you know, can people, we need to stand and be seen, you know? So it's been just a trend that we're used to. But I'm hoping that, because you never hear us say I'm white and beautiful. I'm never <laughs> I'm white. No one says I'm white and beautiful, but yeah. we feel this need to say I'm black and black and beautiful. Mm -hmm. You actually, you've just made me think about that. <laughs> <laughs> Why do we do that? I mean, oh, black beauty. Black no, beauty. Black beauty. Mm. Yeah. Why but, don't white beauty like? I've never had, actually. I don't. I don't know. I don't know why we. Why we do it, but I guess we are beautiful. So. <laughs> I also think it's, it's people are trying to create awareness because we're living in a time where how you, you bring up a child, you have to keep telling them you're beautiful. If you don't tell them, then they start looking for that elsewhere. And if they start looking for that on the internet, 
they will find a whole lot of crazy. Mm. So I think there's some people who've taken it up upon themselves to actually create some sort of awareness, like you should love yourself regardless of your color. Mm. Not to say that they are not happy with who they are, but I think that has actually really worked because for somebody like me, if you see my hair right now, the reason it's like this, it's actually crochet because I'm trying to protect my natural hair from breaking in winter. But I love to wear my hair natural. And even somebody like Christ, I'm always fighting with her because sometimes she's going out and she's like, oh, let me put that wig on. I'm like, why? Why are you putting that wig on? Just go, your hair looks beautiful. She's like, are you sure? It looks beautiful. It's oh, so yes. true. And even look at her today, like she's just in her natural hair and she looks very, very beautiful. Oh, thanks. So. <laughs> I seriously think I could do a whole 10 episode series of black women and their hair. One of the most interesting things someone said to me is that they wear their hair like the they change your hair every day like they change handbags. <laughs> That's what my boss says. I used to love going to work. Like this this week, mm-hmm. I literally just wanted to see the look. And like the job I used to do, we had a meeting every morning at 8 a.m. So I used to make sure I walk in like just one minute to the meeting so everyone's already inside. <laughs> and like one time, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, I had a different hairstyle every day. I had my braids on Tuesday. On Wednesday, I taken out my braids and I just had like my little afro. On Thursday, I wore my wig. And then on Friday, I think I had like cornrows. <laughs> they were just looking at me like, what is happening? And one of my wigs that I wore had like bangs and like was long like Rapunzel. <laughs> they were looking at me, it was so good. I love it. You know, It's like a show, you know, entertainment <laughs> for them. So the final question I have for you is, what is something that is happening in the community that's making you feel proud? I really love the way these days um, we're actually embracing our culture and our beauty. Like, we're proud of it. Like, I'll tell you an example. You guys know the Victoria's Secret show that happens every year. Last year, for the first time, a model who'd done it, Maria Borges, she's an Angolan model, you know, beautiful black African queen. She actually told her agent that she doesn't want to do that whole straight hair because one of the requirements was to have that bouncing wavy hair you know really long up till like mid back and you know stretch your stuff but she was like no that's not how I was created I actually want to go with my afro and she's like the only way I'm going to accept this is if you let me do it in my afro and there was you know of course they, they weren't too sure about it they had to run it through the creative team of the Victoria's Secret show but they let her do it and it made such an impact you know girls were like oh like I'm one of them because first of all I begged my mom to get a perm when I was 10 years old so oh my god the same thing as well the pain (laughs) of that combing I couldn't so I begged her because in my eyes that was what beauty was you know having that straight hair sleek you know and polished but so I had my perm from the time I was 10 till about 21 as Daisy was saying earlier sometimes we actually fight because I'm just like like I'm still not sure sometimes you know I'm only human and sometimes I look at myself and I'm like I that afro because you know you're brought up thinking when you have when you just leave your afro it's unkempt why don't you have cornrows? Why don't you have a style? But then these days, I love the fact that, you know, especially women are embracing the full mm-hmm. African raw, natural look. That's something that I can't wait to teach my daughters. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And there's a lot of young African girls, especially in Brisbane, who are doing that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, which is really good. What about you, Daisy? What's making you proud? 
Today, I was on my Facebook and I saw this story of an African-Australian. He came here as a refugee and he used to live in Perth and he just got signed into the NBA. And I was so proud, you know, like, I was like, wow, never in his imagination. He didn't ever think that he would be in America getting so much money wow. as a basketball player just from a very humble beginning in Perth, you know, not even in Perth, in Sudan, from Sudan to Perth, then to America. So I think people are really doing great things. Even just here in Brisbane, everybody's following their passion. We have many African designers, just Amina. <laughs> Amina, you awesome outfit. <laughs> yes, there's a lot of people there. Manessa sisters. We have people like Lorette, LNJ, Lorette and James following their passion in music. We've got painters. We've got people doing what they love to do. And I think that is a great step because this time we're living in, I mean, you just don't have to be a doctor or a lawyer or whatever or an engineer you can be a singer you can be whatever and still make it really big in life and i think that is something that is really changing even in australia and especially among um african australians which i think is brilliant fantastic well for me what's making me really happy is i love today for example i had about five different african community events to go to and funny enough i didn't actually go to any of them because i was catching up with my university friends that i have known for a very long time i'm not giving away my age by saying how long. but i love when you go on facebook and there's so many events and activities happening in the community you know there isn't one particular one that is i want to cherry pick but actually maybe i will because normally a lot of the African community events are happening on the south side or maybe in the city area. Mm-hmm. But the first one we went to was one that was literally near my house at Sungate. So I went and took mm-hmm. some photos because I knew I couldn't make it on my way into the city today. And it's you know a young African, she's South Sudanese, and she started a charity to help other South Sudanese both in Australia and back in Africa. And when I went there, I saw not just her, but this whole community they've built of people from Sungate yeah. of all co- different colors. Yeah. When I went into the kitchen to take photos, there was actually no Africans in the kitchen. Really? There were all these fabulous Caucasian women who were cooking the food. And one of them wow. actually came out and said to the lady, she goes, so in, the injara is ready. Oh, <laughs> and wow. So I said, oh, this time I went, you really sound like you know what you're talking about. Yeah. And one of them was, was wearing a beautiful like African outfit and the other one I didn't see her but she was going to change into it and I just love this literally in one of the most northern suburbs in Brisbane which is not very much hip and happening African suburb if you like Mm -hmm. there was literally a little piece of Africa that was being celebrated there and they were all getting ready Mm -hmm. and the community was really going to be a buzz to fundraise money for this project you know when I left there I almost wish I could stay it it just gave me my little warm and fuzzy so (laughs) but yeah there's there's another South Sudanese event happening in Ipswich around um, stopping domestic violence there's one in Acacia there's so many I love that people are taking the initiative to create all these beautiful opportunities for Africans to come together. Today was especially a good example of that, and I love that. And I love going to African community events that don't just have Africans there, but Mm. actually have what I call the Oreo faces. Uh A bit of black, a bit of white, a bit of Asian, a bit of everything. Because then it means that we are also exposing the rest of the community to our cultures. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that event today in Sangate really made me um, proud. Happy. That's really nice, because I remember last time when I helped with the serving at the Ghanaian, I think it was International uh, Ghanaian Independence the Day. The 20th anniversary of Ghanaians Queensland. Yes, I the think that day. African Association <laughs> in Queensland. Exactly, there's this celebration. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> 
And I was in the kitchen and there was this Caucasian lady and you know she was like really busy everywhere and she was talking, saying all these Ghanaian dishes. I didn't know not one. I think only knew jollof rice because it's even Nigerian movies anyway. That's Ghanaian Nigerians have been stealing that. Let's just put Let that on the table. <laughs> They've been stealing it from They've been stealing you. everything from Ghana. <laughs> so we are just not Jolo from like the movies. And she knew all this. Is, and she was just like, take the, take the blah, 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 take the blah, blah, blah. I was like, wow, where are you from? You know? <laughs> and seeing that cultures coming together and people learning something from your culture, I think it's really nice. I love seeing that mm. a lot. Before we go, obviously, if you're listening to us, hopefully you find us on iTunes or maybe SoundCloud. But if you find us on iTunes, please take the opportunity to give us a review and rate us because that's how other people will find us. And it will also give us some feedback about how the podcast is running because we're really interested to hear from our audience and look at what they love and maybe don't love about the podcast. Where's tough? We can take the good and the bad. <laughs> yes. So feel free to take the opportunity to send us a review or send us a message to our website please follow African Australian Story where you can our website is africanaustraliansstory.com you can find us on social media on Facebook Twitter Instagram at African Oz Story so that's African OZ Story our fantastic African intro music is by Russell Chinarai now he is the African Imbera player who plays street music in South Banks so make sure you put some money in his bowl next time you're walking by and you can find him on Russell Street Music on Facebook so that's Russell with one L. Thank you so much, Daisy. Thank you. And Reza, I've had a fantastic conversation. We will see you all next week. Thank, Thank you. you. Bye bye. Bye. See ya. <laughs>